Hello and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse. I'm Zoe Cunningham. On the Digital Lighthouse, we get inspiration from tech leaders to help us shine a light through turbulent times. We believe that if you have a lighthouse, you can harness the power of the storm. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Sarah Hale, who is the Senior Director of Engineering at Unity Technologies. So hello, Sarah, and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to chat with you today. Amazing. Well, can I ask you to start by telling us a bit about your current role and also about Unity for people who don't know about it? Sure. So yeah, so I'm a Senior Director of Engineering at Unity, which is the world's leading platform for creating, operating, interactive, real-time 3D content. So although most folk know Unity for the video game engine, we actually do a lot of things across a lot of different industries. Um, So I myself lead a globally distributed team working on the analytics, live ops, and game backend products within the Unity Gaming Services platform. And Unity Gaming Services itself is an end-to-end platform with a suite of products that help game studios of all sizes build, engage, and grow successful live games. Now, it's very exciting because I think for lots of engineers, particularly engineers working in maybe very business-focused or corporate-focused kind of jobs, working in games is like one of the most exciting things. So I guess at Unity, that's kind of what you're doing. Well, yes and no. So most people assume that I'm working on like, you know, really exciting game development. But actually, the whole point of my role is helping uh, build the the tools and services that help game developers build their exciting, cool games. So most of the skills that I had or utilized or learned in previous roles, like running SaaS-based software, is actually what I do at Unity. Uh, It just happens to be not for the travel industry. It's now for the gaming industry. So it is exciting, um, but it's adjacent to game development. It's not actually game development. And you've actually touched on my next question there because I wanted to ask how you got to do the role that you do now. Like, what's your journey been to get there? Cool. I think I probably have a fairly standard journey in in some sense. So I started as a as an IC, so an individual contributor, as an intern at Yahoo, and then I headed up to Scotland to work at a digital agency for a few years, working mostly on web development, a few different clients there, before moving to a, a relatively unknown startup at the time, Skyscanner, uh, which is a travel search engine. And there I was part of um, like Skyscanner's growth journey, which also helped accelerate my own growth journey. Um, so I, I leveled up every couple of years um, up the IC path to become a principal engineer um, before moving into the management track. And then after Skyscanner, I moved to another travel company uh, where I was a director of engineering for a few years before joining Unity in May 2020. So peak pandemic time as a director of engineering and then got promoted to, to senior director. So yeah, fairly typical, I would say, but lots of different sort of pockets of different experiences. Yeah. And how would you say the kind of work that you've done has changed along the way? Yeah, so I think effectively that the really obvious one is that I no longer write code. So I don't spend my days in an IDE. Generally, I spend my days on on Zoom now and spreadsheets or documents. But a lot of the skills I think you learn as an IC are still applicable when you end up on the management track. So most of what I do is still problem solving, but the problems I'm trying to solve and the systems that I'm thinking about are more people orientated rather than necessarily like problem solving bugs or things like that and I think as you grow up the track or level up through the tracks it then again you're shifting from being really tactical where people are sort of giving you the parameters to operate within and you can learn how to be successful operating within those parameters to then actually having to learn how to define those parameters for others and then eventually sort of 
you know, expand out to being even more ambiguous context and, and trying to create that clarity and flow for people. But you're shifting from being really engineering focused to being more business focused, I think is also the key difference. It's no longer like success is no longer me being a really great problem solver for working out front end coding nuanced bugs. It's now actually about, am I creating impactful value for the business? And am I doing that through driving change and outcomes through others rather than just doing it myself? Uh, So I think that's a really interesting way of describing it because I've not heard it referred to in that way before, that you're moving from dealing with something in a tactical way to dealing with it in a more strategic way. And also, I guess, moving to being more proactive rather than reactive. So rather than someone just rocking up and saying, here's a challenge, here's a problem, here's something that needs to be built, off you go. You almost have to be saying, well, what is the challenge? What are we building? And starting from that side. Yeah, and I think that's what is actually really hard and difficult because there's no like guidebook that you can read. You can't just read and then suddenly be good at that. It's a skill that you have to continually practice. And I guess it's top of mind for me because that's the thing I'm quite conscious of in my role at the moment is as I have more products to look after and my teams are more varied, how am I uh, making sure that I'm not doing my comfort zone, which is just tactically executing and getting good outcomes and actually creating the environment where we're thinking longer term, we're being deliberate, we're being strategic with what we're choosing to do and what we're choosing not to do and having to do a lot more of that creating clarity myself rather than just expecting someone to tell me to go operate in that little box over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was something else you mentioned that I thought was really interesting, that you said that the skills you had as an engineer are still useful, you're just using them in a different way. How do you think that being a kind of engineering leader with a very technical background makes a difference versus being an engineering leader who maybe doesn't have that background? I think it's a really great question. I think one of the the key bits it does is sort of establish that credibility. Um, So I think if you're coming in as a new person and you don't have the, the technical background, I think sometimes it can be quite hard to build out that trust and credibility with teams, which ultimately is really important if you're trying to get anything done. So I think it helps like shortcut that a little bit. There's obviously different ways you can build out trust and credibility, but I think it just, it gives you a little easier starting point perhaps. And then in terms of the the skills, I, I don't know if everybody thinks about sort of problem solving in the ways that I do, maybe they don't, but effectively it's just systems thinking, but just applied to a different context. That's how I see the world. Um, so continually sort of looking at like, okay, what bits can go wrong? How do I move these pieces? It's like a giant jigsaw puzzle, but it just happens to be with either services or pods or teams. And you're just trying to move all things around to create that flow in the system. Um, and that's basically the same skills as when I was trying to work out how to you know, ship a, a service to production, but now it's just making teams ship services to production. Yes, very interesting, except for this key difference, (laughs) uh, which I definitely learned as soon as I moved from engineering into like management roles, is that people are a lot more complex than a piece of software and actually working through other people. So I thought it'd be really cool to chat about what are the key things you need to do to get the best out of your team. So you already mentioned like trust and credibility, but what are the key things you're thinking about in terms of skills for leading a team? Yeah, really good question. There's a whole bunch of things. I think it's really important that your team feel empowered and accountable, but they're working sustainably. So I guess when I'm thinking about creating high-performing engineering teams and trying to recognize that 
having different shapes of individuals with different experiences and different ways of working is positive, even though sometimes it can cause more like headaches when having to do more people management or coaching or mentoring and things like that. But I think that is important in order to get the right outcomes for the customers, which is ultimately what we're trying to do at the end of the day. But yeah, I think like making sure that you're practicing empathy. So sort of showing up in the way that you're expecting other people to be showing up inside the teams is quite important part of that transition. I think one of the other things that I learned was that um, like sometimes I think it is important as a leader, you can say, I don't know. But actually, sometimes if you're the leader and you're going, oh, I'm not sure all the time, it's actually creating a whole load of uncertainty and the environment isn't great for people understanding what they should be doing, why they should be doing it. And so a lot of what you actually have to do is make educated guesses. Admit maybe when you get it wrong, all that kind of stuff later, but you've got to say something. People want clarity and it's better to go, we're doing X, even if you're not entirely sure, rather than, hmm, I'm not sure, let me get back to you. Obviously, sometimes it's appropriate to do that, but that's one of the things I had to I guess, teach myself was making a decision and showing up and making a call, even if I wasn't feeling completely certain myself. Yeah, I think that is a key difference between being a good kind of technologist, having an open mind and being willing to say, I don't know, is such a key skill set. It's so important. And I think it's almost we all had to learn that doing the job of going, actually, I need to make sure I am open-minded and not closing off doors so then to have to turn that around again and go oh okay I'm not actually putting myself forward as infallible and saying I now magically know everything but like you say I am responsible for setting the tone of the team and as human beings the computer doesn't care whether you know everything or not you know it really doesn't make one difference one way or other but as human beings we need like you say that certainty to know what we're supposed to be doing and how we're contributing within a team. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's particularly important after like reorgs, for example. So after you've done large structural changes, particularly if it's large structural changes off the back of like redundancies or things like that, of course, like you probably don't actually know what you're planning to do for the next six months or how we're planning to still ship X, Y, and Z because you haven't had time to really think about it. But telling people that when they're already in a state of lots of uncertainty, there's lots of fear, all that kind of stuff doesn't help just provide clarity and feeling of calmness or even momentum towards the new goals and outcomes. So I think it's quite important to effectively project certainty and confidence in in certain situations, even if you end up then having to sort of you know pivot slightly or change it later, because people are looking to you to be a leader, to be that calming influence and reassuring that you know someone knows what they're doing, even if you don't necessarily feel like you know what you're doing yourself. Yeah, and I guess one of the differences is it's about the kind of scope becoming broader that actually the higher level you're talking at, the more, the easier it is to be definitive because you're saying we will do this, but the details of how you're going to work it out are the bit that's undefined. Whereas then once you get down to the detail level, as soon as you start being too prescriptive, you've suddenly really limited yourself in terms of what you can do. Yeah. And I think that's why I kind of like seeing it as transitioning through the phases of being tactical to operational, to being strategic. Because also learning how to be strategic in itself is actually quite challenging. You know, you could just say, ah, I've come up with a a glorious North Star. That's me, strategy done. And in reality, strategy is never done. It requires continual practice and and focus. And I think when you're, especially when you're an IC and developer, you get really good at being tactical. Like even if there's suddenly unexpected fires, you can, you know, deal with an incident, you know, swiftly make sure that things are running well in production, et cetera, et cetera. And think you can just apply that to people. And like you said, people are incredibly complex and don't work like computers. 
Well, and that brings me on to my next question, which is, I think one of the most important things in dealing with people is the concept of like responsibility and accountability. As a CTO, what are the kind of responsibilities that you have to your team and to the people who work for you? So I think one of the key bits is making sure you have a really good understanding of the business. And I think maybe that's where some people really struggle because it's no longer going to be good enough to be really good in any technical field. Because if you're responsible for like people at a company level, then you really need to have a solid foundation and understanding of business and all these terms. So I think definitely... Uh, understanding like cash flow so making sure that you're keeping your engineering costs down and help driving profits for the business as well as understanding what are the other business outcomes you want and then for me it's it's around sort of building that empowering engineering culture so getting that balance between being the person who's like uh, setting the direction and writing the strategy but also making sure that you're identifying the correct people in your organization or I guess hiring them in the first place that can help you define that strategy and then deliver and then execute on it. So I think it's a very complex and varied role. It probably also, I think, changes depending on the stage and maturity of the company as well. So the role that I do at Unity in a a massive organization is potentially quite similar to what a CTO in a a smaller company might be doing, but we have different titles, but largely the responsibilities is probably a fair bit of overlap. Mm. And I think it's very interesting to me how... Some of these responsibilities, I think, kind of cut both ways. So you've obviously got a responsibility to the business to make sure you get the right team into the right roles so that they're delivering. Would you say you also have a responsibility to your engineers to kind of help them find places that they can grow into and roles that will challenge them as well as just roles they'll be good at doing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's another key point is that Part of the role of being a senior leader in engineering is actually advocating for what your engineering teams are saying to your cross-functional partners who may not understand or care about like the intricacies of like any of the stuff you're doing in engineering. So (laughs) effectively, it's being able to tailor your message to your different audience and make sure you're advocating for the business, but also for your your engineering teams, for sure. I mean, I've come to generalize a lot of what you do at a leadership or management leadership level as like people skills. Would you say the kind of skills that you use with your team or with other people within the engineering team are the same or different to when you're talking to other stakeholders in the business or other business functions within the business, which obviously, once you get to engineering director level, you're then suddenly, it's not just about talking to engineers. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess you probably are using the same skills because effectively it is all around tailoring your message. But uh, I think one of the, the key things that was taught early on, even when I was on the IC track, it was in order to be effective, you need to understand the motivations and needs of the person or the team that you're trying to influence. So it's basically that skill but with different individuals at different levels, or maybe maybe it's just that their needs and wants would be more vast and more varied. So I find myself having to, to switch hats quite a bit. Uh, but a lot of what I'm trying to do right now is making sure that I understand, you know, why are sales telling, you know, my bosses that, you know, engineering are terrible. And often it's no ill intent or anything like that. It's just because I've 
fundamentally misunderstood something that is really important to them or is just unaware. And it's about sort of going and making sure that you understand what their perspective is and then advocating for your engineering teams. But sometimes it's, you know, if you hop on a customer call and then your client partner is going, see, this is what I mean. We've been telling you this for ages. And actually they haven't. They, they tried translating it back to us and then completely missed what the actual customer was trying to say. So I think um, a lot of uh, communication and, and relationship building and active listening are all super important. But the way that I would frame things with my directs are going to be different for the way that I frame things for my wider engineering org. I don't have to, I don't have to be as careful with my framing and get it as precise when it's like a team of trusted people because they already know. And you know my terrible jokes, they already know that it's just part of my humor. Whereas if I'm doing an all hands with the whole engineering team, I try and be a bit more sensible. Right, exactly. And also it's about how closely you work with people and how often you meet with them and work together and yeah, and all, and all of that. If you're meeting someone only very occasionally, you haven't had the time to build up that trust and that relationship. Which if we think about one of the questions she said around the people, it's actually quite interesting because I started this job peak pandemic. And so I had no opportunity to meet anyone. I'm quite used to being remote or working globally distributed teams. But at some point you would meet the people in real life. I think it was two years before I met some of my peers in real life. And it was a bit odd because I didn't feel very distant from them. And it was quite surprising to me at how easy or straightforward it felt building quite strong relationships with people that I'd never physically met in real life at any point. But when I was talking to people about that, some people found it incredibly difficult to feel like they belong when they were only a little box on a screen. And so that was quite interesting to me as well as that, you know, how do you sort of balance wanting to, to be globally distributed, but create a cohesive team, as well as how do you make sure you have time to understand and build these relationships, with all these different people with all their different sort of needs and wants and sort of parcel that information at the right time. I think, um, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. Um, and very complex again, and very back to how people are not interchangeable. You know, you learn Python, you know Python, but you you learn how to deal with one member of your team, and suddenly you have to learn it all over again once you have a new member of your team because they have different requirements and different ways of seeing the world and all those kind of things. Yeah, and I think also like, there's no real just learning how one person is. So if something happens in a in a person's life, for example, I've got members of my team who went on maternity leave. When they came back, they were slightly different than when they were when they went on maternity leave, which is completely understandable and acceptable. But effectively, again, it was like tailoring how I managed them to make sure that I was recognizing their new sort of needs and desires of how they see the world and what they want to do and how to help them grow, because it all subtly changed uh, since they, they'd had that sort of time off. So I think, yeah, people are incredibly complex and continually changing, whether they realize that or not, including myself, probably. I'm sure I'm a pain to manage, though. Well, now we've set out kind of all the challenges of the role. (laughs) What would you say to someone who is maybe at the individual contributor level and they're saying, this is where I want to get to. I want to be a CTO. I want to be an engineering director. What would you say to them are the key skills to start to build and how to go about that? I'd probably ask them to try and understand what are their motivations in terms of wanting to level up and become a manager of managers. Because sometimes I find that when you're having those kind of career conversations with high level ICs and they're wanting to level up, they automatically pick management because they think that's the only way to continue to have progression. Whereas I'm fortunate they work in a company where the IC track is pegged alongside the management track and you're still becoming a leader, but you get to focus more on the technical leadership and you don't need to deal with the people management part of the M track 
mackerel. So I think that would probably be the first thing I'd want to do is really understand what is their goal and what is their motivation for sort of moving on. But if I think more onto, I guess, the core of your question, I think the thing that I guess I wish I'd learned or been told sooner was actually the understanding of the business is actually important. Or maybe people did tell me and I just didn't absorb it. <laughs> I didn't realize it. I'm like, mm, I'm sure, but technical, it's more interesting. So I, I do think the non-technical skills are really important. But when we say non-technical skills, I think people just think, oh, learning how to be a better manager or have one-to-ones with people. And actually it is that, but it's also about understanding the business. I don't think you can get to senior levels of management if you don't pay attention to the non-engineering parts of the role. So if we roll back and we imagine Sarah, the intern at Yahoo, looking (laughs) forward in her career, how does your role now compare to how you thought it would when you were starting out? That's a really good question. I think with me, though, I have never really been deliberate uh, in terms of what my career was going to look like. (laughs) Basically, my usual strategy is replace myself and then work out what I will do next. And that's pretty much how I've ended up sort of going from different industries or switching teams. It's generally I just try and yeah level up the people around me so that I can be replaced um, and then I work out what I want to do next. So I don't know. Well, I guess the intern me would probably be incredibly surprised that I am doing a podcast and I actually said, yes, that sounds fun. I don't think intern me would have ever believed I would have said that. Oh, well, on that note, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming in and for helping us to shine a light for others. No worries. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a fun discussion.